Welcome to Sad Moth Podcast. We're just here having a couple brews. I want to have a, with I the wanna, boys. I want to give a quick shout and out. And we're back. And thank you to our house band Hoobastank for uh, providing our, that lovely intro music. And we're back. Sad Moth Podcast. My name is Patrick. Standing, standing to my immediate left on is, you, bro. is Noah. And now the podcast begins. This is Sad Moth. Smackdown? Yeah. It's 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 the, it's, it's the album show you all know and love where we pick two albums of mm. similar qualities, debatably and debatably debate, which one has its own merit better in our minds, which album's better. That's that's the crush that we take two albums. Yeah. We we, we argue about which two one's albums. Better. Similar qualities, similar genres. Many eras. members, genres, sounds, guitars. Often vocals, usually drums. Sounds, pretty much every genre. Waveforms. I mean, what is music but wavy lines? Yeah. So, what albums are we talking about today, Noah? Talking about. Is it called Bad Motor Finger? It is. Oh, is that that's how it's said? We're talking about Soundgarden. Soundgarden's nineteen ninety one album. Seminal. Seminal nineteen ninety one grunge release. Bad motor, Bad, finger. motor finger. Bad motor finger. And we're also talking about Alice in Chains' debut 1990 record, Facelift. We got a real battle of the grunge heavyweights. Oh, yeah. Two of the big four, decking it out. <laughs> 1v1. It's a mega grunge showdown. Content right now. Only on HBO pay-per-view. <laughs> no, if anyone had to pay for this, we'd have even less people listening. No. I don't know how you can get less than zero, but... It, it, it could happen. It's like a pot. I don't know if you can like make people pay for a podcast. I have no idea how you do that. Anyway, anyway, I think we're gonna start off with a segment that I introduced last time. Oh, it's called choice, choice cuts. Co- choice, choice cuts. cuts. Which which is choice. A, which is the magical segment where we pick choice. our choice cuts on each record uh, before we we kind of delve into the background individually for each band. We both spent. Many hours mulling over our thoughts and opinions on these two records. I'm going to try to boil it down into two choice cuts, one for each of us, that we liked more than the others. Now, what was your choice cut for Alice in Chains' facelift? We'll go alphabetically. Well, now i got to look up the other one. Well, <laughs> it's right here. It's right here, buddy. Take your pick. Ah, fuck there's there's what was, twelve jack tracks to choose from. What was the one I liked more than the other ones? I'm gonna pass this one off to you. Like I, I said, hours of mulling over and the, really. I don't know the names of songs. Okay, I listen to these albums. I don't That's look fair. at the song yeah, names. All right, all right. Um, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna pick one. My my favorite song in the album, which I think we're probably gonna talk about the singles pretty early in the podcast. My favorite track on the album is, pro- at, after listening to it more and more and more, is probably easily track number eight, which is Sunshine. I think one of the defining characters, both of these are, are, are grunge bands, um, from, and both of these albums are from the early 90s. Why I, I picked this particular matchup, because I think, at least, I, I thought they, they were at least the most comparable of the big four of grunge, which are Nirvana, Pearl Jam... Uh-huh. Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, and I think I still think they are, but 
there's there's a lot of differences in this album, which will which in these albums, which we'll get into. But one of the defining characteristics of Alice in Chains' sound, as opposed to Soundgarden, was the vocal harmonies. And he, the lead singer Lane Staley employs with guitarist Jerry Cantrell, and uh, I think the or they're best showcased on the track "Sunshine," which is up. I, I it it it. it varies throughout the track but it starts as kind of like it's not it's not a power ballad but i think hook wise it's probably the strongest on the album the harmonies are great it's about like his mom dying or something like that jerry Cantrell, the guitarist wrote most of the songs on this album but it's i'm trying to listen to it right now in my earphone i i i really what did you think of the track before i get into it this is a all right track. I don't know. I don't know if it's just an all right track. Okay, let me let, let me let me set the scene. Yeah. Let me set the scene. I think this track builds pretty beautifully. I think it starts. It starts out. It's about a third. The last third of the album is where this is. It's, it's the beginning of the last third of the album, and I think, it, in my opinion, it gives the album a second wind that it that it that it that it lacked in probably the the, the track before. Because it starts out a little rote. It's just, you know... It, it. Both of these albums feature powerhouse vocalists. Um, yeah. Kind of, you know, driving rifts. They're both, you know, a little bit, little bit of Zep, a little bit of Sabbath, some, some, some melodies, some harmony. But what I like most about this song is... And what is is, is kind of rarer on, on this album is the, is the shift of dynamics that it goes for. When it goes into the hook, it builds up and it builds up and then it slows down to show off the vocal harmonies, which are stronger yeah. than they are on a lot of the tracks. I think they really sound pretty fantastic. Well, the way they melt, their voices meld into each other is one of the strongest aspects of Alice in Chains sound. It's kind of, it's you have a real, Lane Staley's voice is raspy, it's high, it's kind of, it's more weaselly and less just like, just gruff than I would say um, um, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden's is. He has a lot of, of, of range and he makes a lot of spooky noises. And Jerry Cantrell's voice is just, is, is, is more just clean, straightforward and metal harmony. When their voices combine, it kind of, is, it, it's off kilter in a sense. It's not like the birds, it's... It's, it's a weird kind of combination of sounds that works really well in the context of a metal album, of being, you know, just kind of against the normal, a little spooky. I think this harmony, the harmonies, um, the hook in particular for this song, I think are really strong. I think they just get stronger as the song builds towards the end, where we're getting even more guitar lines. I'm pretty sure there's a third harmony that gets in there. And when he's hitting the I don't care no mores, and the second sun shines. I, I think the the standout, and why I think this song is emblematic of the whole album of why I like it, is because it showcases a lot of what I like about this band in particular. I think the riff is it's it's no it's no frills. It's pretty much like an Aerosmith riff. It's very it's it's groovy. It's got a good groove to it. I think the harmonies are really strong. But I think like with most of the songs on this album, the highlight for me is probably Lane Staley's vocal performance. I think he's got a lot of diversity in there. And I think it builds really nicely and strong, and it introduces my favorite chunk of the album, which is track 8 through 12. 
I guess this is basically what I'm trying to say about it. Not very well. I like, uh, it ain't like that. You what? This is the one I was like, that's a cool riff. It ain't like that. Okay. I don't know what that is. That riff at the start comes back. Yeah. But it's like, it sounds like they're strumming like five guitars in succession. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It almost sounds like he's just mute it's, strumming it and then letting it. I don't even. I, know. I don't. I, I have no idea anymore. what that is, but it's cool. It sounds like then it just like, gets crunchy. Absolutely. Yeah, and then they, then they then they go into palm muted shit. And... Yeah. That's it. You just like the riff. It's pretty cool. It's a good riff. It's a good riff. I would say that this is. It's the vocal harmonies are definitely in this song too. Yeah. I would say this is that one isn't necessarily my favorite. In terms of towards the middle of the album, I think the formula of some of the songs, which it breaks on I think the last third of it. The middle third can get a little samey. Um but you know, I like that you like this song. Why I I, I think I might have disproportionately chose this matchup. For the reason that this is Alice in Chains' debut album. It came out mm-hmm. in 1990. Right. Um, previously to this, Lane Staley was in a glam, a glam metal uh, rock group called Alice and Chains. When he mm-hmm. joined this band, he took that name, but kept a lot of those influences in. Yeah. But they would shed more and more as their discography went on. Yeah. But it's a lot more evident in this first album. I was going to say that. This is kind of like, do you know what an Archaeopteryx is? No. It's like a fossil that they found that's like the... I don't like where this is going. It's like the connection between dinosaurs and birds. It's like a dinosaur okay. with wings. And this is kind of the, the Archaeopteryx of uh, glam. To grunge. Glam metal and grunge. Because like, okay. Man in a Box is like pretty much a hair metal song. But then what's interesting like, is... But that like, song specifically was the first quote-unquote grunge song to become y- a hit. Yeah, it was like on the radio. It was on the radio. It was a big song. for wild. The scene, yeah. It, they were, before Nirvana, probably the first band in the scene to really break nat- national radio. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden, in contrast to that, have been around a heck of a lot longer. They were on the first grunge compilation, Deep Six, in like eighty. 284. They've been around for a long time. By the time they reached the album we're talking about, Bad Motor Finger, that was 91. They've already been around for the good portion of a decade. They've released their debut album and their EPs, and they've had time to more fully form as a band in their sound, which is why I want to talk about your, your choice cuts of Soundgarden's mm. album, because this by, by the time they released this album, they had, prob- they had found probably the best sound that they had previous records hadn't really quite meshed like that. They just sounded like an amalgam of their influences. When this one, they really kind of came into their own. What was your What was your choice cut on Bad Motor Finger? I'm saying Jesus Christ. Pose. Oh, dude, that's not. Oh no. Okay, why? Is that yours? No, it's not. I just think it's really a, It's a good song. It's very. Uh, I like the the drumming. It's very propulsive. It is a very propulsive I like song. the noise of it. 
It's a bunch of fucking just like random guitar shit at the start. Always gonna get me. It's a great riff. It's got like, I don't know. It's a really stupid lyric, which I enjoy. Yeah. I don't know. It's got great energy. I could get down to this. I don't want to get too much I could into like, a I could punch. It, but... I could punch a dude out in like a pit. Yeah. On like the Lollapalooza <laughs> yeah. tour in '95, with your Jesus hair and your down to your ass crack, dude. I could, I could get pretty rough to Jesus Christ pose. I, I have a kind of a weird love hate relationship to this song because on one hand, I don't think there's anything technically wrong with it, and there's a lot of things I love about it. Like you said, <laughs> I think Jesus the riff is sick. It's incredibly propulsive. I think the song gets Jesus even better. The last minute of the song. I think is stronger than the rest of the song when it finally builds into a, a riff that I'm more satisfied with. But at its worst, this song is just that that riff go no and it, no and it, and then G- and fucking Chris Cornell just screaming, shrieking really in my ear, both at the same time, just hitting me with the you know. And it's just it's a little much. And like you said, the lyric is can be endearingly shitty. I don't really care for the imagery that they were. I like the idea, I guess. It's hard for me to exactly put my finger on I, what I dislike about this song. but And I, I'm not going to say it's a skip. Because like I said, I think it builds into something better than the rest of the song. I think the last half is, is, is a great. I think everything pays off in the last half when he goes into his lower register... And the fucking shrieks kind of pay off, I guess. And the riff changes, but ah, it's just not, I, it's not one of, I, and it's a big song for them too. It's, it's definitely one that a lot of fans agree on is one of the best on the album, but it's just never, it never connects with me. I think it's his voice. I think it's just the incessant, just like, wah, wah, wah. I don't know. I don't know. But I disagree. <laughs> Well, I don't want to get too much into a rebuttal about it. Because it's not my least it's not my least favorite song in the album. Mm-hmm. I will talk about Okay, my song is my favorite song in this album is actually the one that comes directly before it. I think Slaves and Bulldozers is easily the best song in this album. I think it it shows perfectly the kind of dynamic. And this is where Soundgarden differs at this point in their career from Alice in Chains, and that they are an incredibly tight band. There are also different lineups. Two guitars in Soundgarden as opposed to just the one with overdubs on Alice in Chains. But what's so impressive, I think, about Alice in Chains, on the, on, on the Soundgarden, on this song and the album in particular, is a lot of times you don't even... There's, the guitars are played so... The interplay is so tight, and they're so close together in the mix, you can not even pull them apart easily but they're they're so it's essential to kind of the buzzing humming sound and this and when the lead kim thale i think is his name when he busts his leads out of that kind of tight synergy he just goes completely nuts he does my favorite types of solos on this album which are just guitar freakouts like he's choking a fucking metallic chicken yeah. and i fucking love that in this song. yeah there's a couple good like noise like not particularly like scale based solos. Yeah, you know, just goes nuts. Pretty and good at that. Chris Cornell shows off his his range in terms of like lower register 
he, he, has a, he does a really good in-tune scream that he doesn't do anywhere else on this album, except for Slaves in Bold, Dozers, where he's doing the, now I know why you've been shaken. He just fucking busts into the yeah. scream. It's one of the longer songs on the album, at like seven minutes. Seven minutes, huh? But it's like the, it's a real showstopper early on. I think it's it, it shows his fucking just, his real belter pipes where he's just really channeling some 70s hard rock with the screams. It just, and it all builds so nice. I just think it's a beautiful song. It's fantastic. Yeah. Probably the best song on the album. Yeah. Debatably. But that's what we're well, here to, that's uh, what we're here to talk about. Let's get into one of these. What should, what should we do first? I think I think it, we should talk about Soundgarden first. Okay. We're on the roll, um, and I I feel like I'm gonna have to do explaining more about why I like the Alice in Chains album so much, as opposed to I think we can agree that Bad Motor Finger. I don't know your opinion yet, but I think we can agree that Bad Motor Finger is a pretty great album, pretty good album. I, I, I agree. I uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed this. What struck you first time going through it? Uh... Like, because I know your expectations were completely flip flopped, and what you thought you were gonna like, and what you, what you didn't. Yeah, like, I guess I, just in general, I've like, kind of listened around, like, grunge, but I guess like listening to this stuff, like I, I realized I'd never really listened to like core grunge bands. I've still never listened to Pearl Jam. Um, that's you know that's fine. But I, I mean, I've listened to Nirvana. Yeah. And I've listened to, like, pre-grunge. Like, I've listened to Melvin's. I've listened to, like, Killdozer. I've listened to Mud Honey. Yeah. And I've listened to, like, new Metal and post-grunge. Everything before and after. Yeah, but I've never really listened to, like... Primary to, to, like, Soundgarden, right? So, I guess I was... I, I guess I was surprised by things I should have not been surprised about. Number one, both of these albums sound like absolute shit. Like... They sound terrible. Elaborate. Elaborate. So like they sound, they don't sound bad in like a technical perspective. They said they're, but they're too, they're too clean, right? Like they're produced like post grunge records are produced, and that was like a big hurdle for me listening to these records. They're produced like what these are, which are major label. Yeah, they're, they're really clean, yeah. like squeaky clean, produced, like compressed. These are fatiguing fucking albums to listen to. They're long. <laughs> no, but like they're they're fatiguing on your ears. Because they're really compressed and they're I'll really g- I'll loud. Give you, I'll give you that for Soundgarden, um, for sure. This was their first major label album, too. And, like, th- that that sound does not fit, like, grunge records. It doesn't. And it doesn't fit post-grunge records. It doesn't fit new metal records. Like, it never fit. It never worked. Like, so that was a thing I had to get past. And the other thing was, like, I associated that sound with, like, all of this music that I had listened to that I hate. <laughs> Like Creed and yeah, Nickelback. Like Creed and Nickelback. So like it was like trying to listen, you know, it, it was just kind of a mental block I had to get past. Like Creed really kind of spoiled this music. Creed for makes me for sense a while. if you've listened to grunge and then Creed, but going yeah. back retroactively is I can yeah. see that being a hurdle. Because also, more than anything for me, what what Creed kind of ruined in a sense is the vocal style that both of these guys go for. The kind of raw. Yeah, is, no. is definitely present in both of them, but like, and it's so cliche now with, mm-hmm. the, with the post grunge. But I, 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 
don't think it, it definitely wasn't back then, and it, it does the disservice to these guys if that's all you think of them as, because I think they both deliver some pretty incredible vocal performances. Yeah, no, it's de- it definitely, like, sound, like, these vocals, like, sound corny to me. Yeah. And, like, I think that's mostly, like, the reason is the way I approached this. Not that it's actually corny. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think, like, 70s rock records sound particularly corny. It's just, like, I've heard so many shitty singers trying to sing like these guys that it's really affected my perspective. Yeah, it's hard to go back to the original. If. But, yeah, sound like, Soundgarden, Bad Motor Finger, I really, like, I enjoyed it. Like, a lot of these songs are really well written. There's energy. There's slower songs. I think Rusty Cage is incredibly good. Um, like it's the first track on the album. First, probably four times I listened to both of these records, I was like, didn't like either of them except for Rusty Cage. Really? I don't, I don't know why, but Rusty Cage is really that good. That one stuck out. Yeah, like what I about re- what about Rusty I'm, Cage stuck out as opposed to like I the think, next track? I'm I think one of the dopest things you can do with the intro to a song is like, like switch a beat or switch like a drum pattern in like an indiscernible but like building way like and that happens on resting cage like the riff comes in and then there's like a drum pattern and at some point and it's really hard to pinpoint where the beat changes and the riff is the same and it becomes a completely different feel and it's really cool and the song kind of it doesn't it doesn't slow down but it starts kind of lurching like just stopping and just just lurching forward towards the end it's a really cool yeah moment in it the adds track. it adds a lot of momentum to it and that's what i would say that one are good because uh, it's johnny cash <laughs> it's a johnny cash song what is rusty cage really i believe that is a johnny cash cover let me check that i didn't know that that could blow my fucking mind yeah, yeah. are you sure he didn't cover it later on oh wait Oh, he might have uh, he might have covered this song. He probably covered it when he was old. I mean, a lot. What struck me about Soundgarden, listening to it again, is is a lot of these songs are incredibly propulsive. But what they what they do so well as a band is is just dynamics. They're so tight. Oh yeah, he he covered it. On what? Which one? On Unchanged. Hmm. Impressive. I don't know how the fuck Johnny Cash covered this fucking song, to be honest. I mean, it sounds like a country song. Lyrics? Lyric-wise, I pack of dogs. <laughs> he has got a little bit of a twang on it. pack of dogs. Well, I was saying, I think the dynamics of Soundgarden are, are very impressive and how they can shift in one song just tempos, parts, and just completely change the momentum of a song at will and, and pull it off most of the time. I think they do a really good job. They're really tight, and it's probably because they've been a band, as opposed to Alice in Chains, when on their debut album, they've been a band for like the better part of probably like seven, eight years at this point. So this was, I think, the first album that really showcased their songwriting in, like, they can really do this now. They have the confidence, they have, you know, they've built up what they can do, and this is, this is when I think of Soundgarden, I don't think Black Hole Sun album-wise... And I know that's their biggest song, but this is what I this is what I think they do best is this album. I think this is their best album, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And th- this do is they I get like slower. Song. What? 
they get like slower and more melodic. Like on their last album, their last one before they broke up and then got back together, they got a little bit slower, a little bit more experimental. I think um, Super Unknown is a little bit more colorful, if that makes sense. I think it's less cohesive. I think this album, what impressed me is how much they could do with the one sound that they work with. They have... Alice in Chains, I think, runs the gamut on their on Facelift, when I think Motorfinger has a pretty consistent area within the where they work. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they kind of work really well within that in making interesting songs, interesting parts, and changing them throughout the song. Which I think I think is shown by the lead single. The, both of the biggest songs on these albums, um, chart-wise, is the second track. Uh, Alice in Chains is Man in the Box, but this one is Outshined, which was the lead single of the album, the biggest really? song on it when it came out. Yep. Man, like, I don't know. Like, I don't get... There's just so many on both of these albums. There are so many, like, mid-tempo, like, kind of slowish, like, songs with just, like, moderately interesting riffs. Yeah. And that's just, definitely like, some dude wailing over the top of it. Yeah. And I just don't... I don't need it. I Outshine, for me, just first riff, verse-wise... I don't, is not my favorite thing. I do like, I don't know if it's the bridge, but, you know, the and now you know part when the guitars get more chimey, less just doing... That is a cool sound, yeah. I think that's an interesting sound for them to work within. And again, Chris Cornell sells a lot of the vocal lines, especially when he goes more towards the upper, it just shows the chops that he has. So I think, like, bridge and hook-wise, I think Outshined is pretty strong. But... Verse, it is pretty rote, verse-wise. verse, verse wise. I think it is pretty just like a... It's a real chugging, mid-tempo grudge song with some fucking... We were talking about earlier, stupid lyrics. Let's say... The choice cut Yeah. this song let's is... Read the let's, read, let's, yeah, let's read the lyrics. Let's read Yeah, choice cuts. So we got, uh... You gotta do the... You gotta do the voice. Where's the, where's the line? Right. <laughs> I just looked in the mirror And things are looking so good I'm feeling California And she looking Minnesota Oh yeah And then it goes into that real nice charming Yeah, it's it. That, that part's pretty cool. That part I is have really no cool. idea what that is. It's a really great contrast. It's like a really yeah. clean, yeah. so now you know, and it's, 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 it's nice. And I think the hook is, I think the hook is good. If not, because I think it's a little, I don't think this is intentional. Let me clarify that. But I think um, in a lot of ways it was emblematic, outshined the sentiment of it, of Soundgarden's career up to that point. They were one of the OG grunge bands and they didn't get attention really like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains got until, like, Black Hole Sun. Like, like really huge attention. They were obviously huge in Seattle, one of the biggest bands in Seattle. This album got attention. This, I'm pretty sure it was certified gold. But in terms of their positioning and that power ranking, they were being 
outshined roll credits by a lot of their contemporaries that they probably influenced. So, I got you know I, I dig outshined, but I do think it's not the best. And I, it wouldn't have been my choice as a single. No, either. I don't know why. That it surprises. Is the, yeah, it surprises the, me that it's a single. I will talk a little bit about my my least favorite yeah. song of this album because I want to I want to know. I don't think it's going to be a least favorite for a lot of people, but um, like what I was saying is that I, they're they're a really tight band. They can effortlessly pull off a lot of dynamic shifts and you know tempo shifts and all that. It's it's very good. It's very it works very well. But I think because they they have the ability to do that, I think sometimes they can overthink a good thing or a, a, something that could just be more straightforward, which is a problem I run into. Mostly when they try to go more punky up tempo, the punkier side of grunge. And I think my least favorite time they do this is face pollution. I really don't like face pollution. This is a song that gives me a headache. I I think they have a, a solid riff. It's 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 for for a lot of it, it really is just like a, a very pretty basic, solid kind of punkier effort. What I really don't, except for the weird woo that he puts in the beginning. Dude, but, what? Bad, what bad song ever starts with a woo? With a, a it's effort. A, it's a woo. It's it is a, a woo. great woo. It Come is a good on. Woo. It's a good woo. What I don't... <laughs> I think this song would definitely <laughs> not bother me as much if it was the what you're listening to in the first minute, like, throughout the whole song. But the, the problem is when it gets towards, like, the two-thirds mark... They start getting trying to get too complicated with it, just really kind of trying to syncopate everything and just changing a bunch of different parts and trying to really overcomplicate what should just be a very simple propulsion. They're, they're trying to rush it up. They're trying to become rush and make like just this. I don't know. It's an, I don't want to say proggy because it's not proggy, but you know you hear what I'm talking about. What would you call that? Where they go da 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 propulsive punkier song i hate that it kills the song for me it just they are just they just overthought it and kind of ruined they didn't ruin it but they kind of killed a lot of the momentum for me i think they successfully employed brass on some of these songs that uh, is pretty rad the contrast to what i wanted to talk about a little bit on face pollution there's the best part is on my mind mind right is a up-tempo song in the in the same vein as face pollution that they absolutely nailed. They don't overthink it. Tasteful, Wait. minimal brass. Not mine right, drawing flies. Drawing flies, drawing flies, yeah. Like, if they just kept it like drawing flies, I would have no problem with face pollution. But then also at face pollution, it just gets so unbearable. And also at the, at the end of Jesus Christ pose, there are some moments on this album that just get so almost unbearably loud in the mix particularly like the whole album isn't this loud but at the end of jesus christ pose and face pollution are just so loud and there's so many things that they're trying to incorporate into it it just it it actively gives me a headache every time i listen to it and not the case of drawing flies great song yeah drawing flies is fucking rad it's like a i don't know it's like a metal plus soul Almost yeah. the way they use, because like the horn lines are like, just punctuated. Yeah, they're like a like a soul song where they yeah. just like come in, 
And then there's the like the trombone solo or whatever, which is fucking. I rad. think it's saxophone, but it's, okay. it's gnarly. He, he, they do the same thing that I love with the guitar, where he just rips it apart. Yeah. So it fits in the context of the kind of aggression that they're putting into it. And he, Chris Cornell, Ooh. is a pretty soulful voice anyway. Yeah. I like the part where they bring like everything out. It's just the bass line. Yeah. They I break know. it down. They give, they give yeah, you yeah, yeah. They break it down. Well, it's not, it's not a breakdown. Is it a breakdown? I don't think so. What is a breakdown? I don't really know. Whatever. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I just think, like, the way the verse... I don't know. I don't know what they do, but, like, the chorus, like, kicks in, like, a, a, like a measure earlier than you think it's going to. He's yeah. Like, okay. yeah. He just he just kind of cuts into whatever was going on and yeah. just brings it into yeah. the vocal line, which I think is actually not. It's not a lot of the Thresco. songs that both of these albums are kind of cringy lyrically sometimes, or they're at least a little laughably campy in in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a kind of metal-y sense. Uh, but I think yeah. he does really well on Drawing Flies. I think there's a lot of good imagery there, um, and a lot of there's a lot of good imagery on on. Bad motor finger in general. I'm not trying to trash on all the lyrics, but there are some cringy lines. But I think Drawing Flies is one of the lyrically stronger ones. It could, a lot of grunge themes kind of focus on self-deprecation and rotting and rust and dirty it's things. It's very brown. Yeah, it is very brown. Yeah. Very brown sounds. But no, but like not in a good way. Not in the weed way. It's not, not in the, it's um, not brown. the sweet sound of the browns. If anybody knows the sweet sound of the browns, mm. Hit me up because you're you just became my new best friend. It's a great. Um, I thought you said you're trying not to meet people. Don't hit me up. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I don't like meeting people. Um, Are there any other songs you want? I I, I genuinely I, like Bad Motor Finger as a whole. I yeah, I would listen to this again. It's a good listen. It's a good listen. Yeah, I, I think most of the songs are. Are pretty good. I, I they have a good contrast of like faster songs and slower songs. I don't know. Um, Any other highlights? Other th- songs we. I think searching with my good eye, searching with my good eye closed. Yeah. Is a is a good song and mind right. I think those two songs mm-hmm. in, employ a lot of just traditional, good old fashioned song craft. Like they just have strong melodies, strong hooks. Where I don't think that's necessarily the case for the first like six songs, they're generally just kind of they don't rely, but they're more heavily focused on the technical prowess of, of of the band. And I think when you get to the second half of this album, I think a lot of them are just some good old fashioned songcraft. Drawing flies, mind riot, mind riot is a great great hook. Searching with my good eye closed has a pretty great kind of cheesy '90s rock intro. It's like the fucking barnyard animal childhood toy the oh, pig yeah. goes and then it goes the devil goes and then chris cornell comes in it's great you know it's great you're gonna have a good time you can have a good time in a in a flannel listening to this album yeah i i don't know i think like i i think i like this one like in a lot of ways because i could kind of contextualize it as like it was the 90s. Yeah. This was what's going on. But I, a lot of these songs are really well done. I, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed well over three quarters of this. Your least favorite? I think my least favorite two songs are the last two. I don't like... I don't like New Damage as a closer. And Holy yeah. Water is a little sanctimonious. 
Yeah. I don't know. Like, again, just goes back to, like... We'll get into this with Alice in Chains, but... We'll, we'll get into it with Alice in Chains. We'll get, we'll, we'll get, well, into, I mean, my, we'll get into my general issue with listening to this. Okay. This well, stuff, closing but. thoughts on Bad Motor Finger. I'll say, you know, I would... If, if you're looking to get into grunge and you want to listen to an album by the big four, this would be my recommendation for Soundgarden. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's the most emblematic of their, of their overall song, sound, but also the kind of sound that they brought to grunge, yeah. which is uh, on lesser albums of theirs, like earlier ones, they kind of tried to pull off the Sabbath meets Zeppelin. This, I think they finally came into their own. Chris Cornell really sh- shines as a front person. He, he does have, he does have range. He has, he has, he is a, like a, a crazy vocal range in general. But I think on this album, with ex- he can overdo it sometimes with the shrieks and the high registers and stuff like that. But I think he, he shows enough restraint where it doesn't just become the Chris Cornell show. The rest of the band, I think really shines throughout the whole album. I think it's a really tight record. And yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. It's a good album. Yeah. I would not say if you're trying to listen to grunge to listen to Soundgarden first. No. No, no, no. If you're trying to listen to an album by the by each member of the Please big four of the listen grunge, to listen to the uh, listen to Bud Manfinger by by Soundgarden. If you're trying to get into grunge, then listen to Nevermind, probably. Yeah. Or like 10 or Dirt Duro. or something like that. Or um the what is it? In the, Utero. In Utero is the best one, but like if you're trying to get into grunge, yeah. Nevermind is the is the big one. In Utero is the best grunge album. I, I'm not gonna disagree with that. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave that there. Mm-hmm. Listen to In Utero. But like, yeah, I, I would say like, that Motorfinger is a good album. Like it's a it certifiably is. worthwhile listen. Slice There's some duds, but like, yeah, I mean, like, it's going to bring you back to kind of the stereotypes of the time. I think both of these records could benefit from some some light trimming. A couple tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we're in, like, the CD era. Wait, no, we're not. Are we? Yeah. At this point? Yeah, we yeah. are. We're fully in the CD Yeah. Era. Which is, like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know why. It must have just been a record, like, label thing. Because, like, every fucking rock album just got, like, 20 minutes longer as soon as yeah. we switched to CDs. Yeah. Because they're like, gotta fill album. it up. Gotta fill it up, baby. Like, half an hour, like, you you can add twice as much on there, you know? I feel, like, yeah, rock albums used to be a good, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. They jumped to, like, 50 to an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. On average. Um, but this this was 1991 where Bad Water Finger came out. Yeah, this that's was, what this I was, was, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's pretty early CD. That's early CD, but it's also early but grunge. It is. Nirvana. Yes, Nirvana. This is pre-Nirvana. This is pre-Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit right. breaking down the door for alternative rock. Right. But was even pre-pre that, not pre-Nirvana in general, because Nirvana had an album in the eighties. But what came out in nineteen ninety and was the I think the first highly Hot One Hundred charting yeah. grunge. You can look that up and correct me if you feel like it. I don't think it's... It might not be true. But to my knowledge... No, I, I think I've heard that Man in the Box Man is in like the, Box. the very first... So why don't we talk about track. Facelift by Alice and James? But why yeah. don't we start out with, with Man in the Box? Because that was their their first huge song and the first huge grunge song a lot of people heard. 
Yeah, so it's barely a grunge song. No. It's, I mean, it's like a grunge song and the, like, the lyrics are like, but this sound, Man of the Box is like, Man of the Box really, like, really sounds like a, a hair metal song. With a yeah, yeah, like all of it, like the the, because they use like wah pedals. Yeah, and shit. someone told like, me they use like a talk box. I don't hear where. I don't know if it's on the non. That could be the wah shit. Like, I, yeah. that's probably what that is. But this really sounds like like a fucking poison song, except no, for the vocals. The vocals do set it apart, but I also think that the tone itself is a a, a tad dirtier than your average hair metal song. It's a tad. Well, yeah, the guitars sound different. The guitar, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, something about this album that, depending on who you are, you might like or hate, this album in particular has some 80s drums. Has yeah. some real fucking bam 80s drums. This song in particular, too. I personally, when, when, when going off of picking these albums, what draw my ear when I first heard on first listen, because I hadn't heard this album, their first album, until I bought it on vacation um, in Spokane to visit my sister. We were listening, we were watching Alice in Chains unplugged at a bar. And I, you know, I, I dig me some dirt and I like their self-titled record. Yeah. And you know, they were they were they were give me some give me some opinions. Alice in Chains is the best grunge band was the big headline of that evening. So you know, there's a CD store right by their house. I was like, okay. I didn't mean to pick it up, but, like, the CD store was garbage. They didn't really have anything good. So I think I got um, I got the Tom Petty album for that podcast, but I also picked up this album, which is the only Alice in Chains album that they had, and I already owned Dirt. And what struck me about this one is I really like Lane Staley's voice a lot. I really like Lane Staley as the lead singer of this. As a frontman quite a bit I think without him with just an average really person with like a good voice this album is a million times worse I think Lane Staley brings a whole lot of personality charm and I don't know I, th I think this track is a good showcase for it I think it, it shows his range I think the hook on this song when he hits the high notes and not in, not and not in that Chris Cornell operatic range like that high range he's just it doesn't sound like he's straining but it sounds like this is the top of his vocal register and he's just hitting it and it's it it sounds very very good in my opinion especially when towards as the hook goes the harmony works in which is the big selling point for Alice in Chains besides the kind of definitely not sludgy but kind of dirtier guitar is the is the, the interplay between their two voices? I think it works really well. I think the song is definitely sectioned off in between the nya nya and like the verse, and then you got kind of like I don't want to say it's like a like the passage of uh, "Won't You Come and Save Me," which is where the the harmonies really kind of come in. And I think I think they work really well together. Yeah, you know I think. What do you think? I think I gotta take a hot piss right now. So we're going to pause. Alright, and we're back. So Man in the Box. Yeah. So. What do you think? 
Um, I don't like Alice in Chains very much. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. I knew when we were listening to this album for preparation that I was, and I, I knew you were excited to listen to Alice in Chains. Yeah. I was like, he's gonna be let down by this album in particular. Mm. I like Dirt more. I listen to Dirt. You listen to Dirt? Yeah, I mean, I just think like their sound fits like, like, being like making sad, depressing songs. Yeah, especially the harmonies, the weary harmonies. Yeah, yeah, I think they just, like, like what the fuck is this album about? But here's, okay, well... You know, like... What is Soundgarden's album about? Yeah, no, but, like, just in general, like, the, like these lyrics are, like, the lyrics in half of these songs are so stupid, I can't get past it. I'll give you Sea of Sorrow. Sea of Sorrow is terrible. Sea of Sorrow is terrible Bleed the, Okay, like... Do you want me to do all the imitations of all these all these choruses right now, or do you want me to sprinkle them in? Um, you know, might as well just peel the bandaid off. All right, so like, you got Sea of Sorrow. That's like, as you wallow in my sea of sorrow, which is like, okay, come on, man. Like lyrically, I don't. That's like terrible. That. Lyrically, I, I lyrically that struck me as as wallow. <laughs> Sea of Sorrow. There's way too many obvious rhymes. Yeah. It's it's like, that's like second grader shit. Like, I think some of these songs, you could not do better if you set out to write like a satire grunge album with like... <laughs> Ow, man. Dude, Love, Hate, Love. Love, Hate, Love. Love, Hate, Love. Let's be honest, that's not the hook of the song. That's the end of the song. But like... They're saying love, hate, love. I know. But here's the... Th- here, you know... There's a couple more. Bleed the Freak. There's one more that there's I There's a like. lot of... There's a lot of songs that on paper sound stupid. And I'm not going to say aren't stupid. I'm not going to say love, hate, love isn't a silly, stupid thing to say. And I'm not going to say that most of the lyrics on Sea of Sorrow aren't genuinely kind of cringeworthy. That was, was the one that struck me the most. It's just about, I was like, dude, these are bad rhymes. But... Especially on this album, for me, I look past exactly what he's saying and more how he's saying it. Because the definite change between Dirt and this album is Lane Staley did not write the majority of the lyrics on this record. Yeah. It was Jerry Cantrell, who was the guitarist. So as an interpreter, which is where where I'm judging vocals on at this point now, because I know he didn't write these lyrics. As an interpreter, I think Lane Staley does an excellent job because love hate love is a silly thing to say it's a silly lyric but that is the climax of this song they slow it down and get into the sludgier part it's also the longest song on the record i think he kills it at the end of that of the end of that song with with i mean he's he's wailing he's wailing with the love hate love i think he at his best he can go from a growl to like a weird vocal passage to a whine, to a whimper. He, in, in, in his best versions of, the, of a lot of these songs, he'll, he'll, he stays in the pocket with, with, with uh, Jerry Cantrell's harmonies until he, he pops out like a snake. Mm. He just kind of slithers through these guitar lines doing his own kind of thing. And he, 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 cha- he adds a lot of personality to a lot of... A good example of this that I really liked is a song like uh, The Last Track, Real Thing. I think he adds 
way more personality than that song necessarily deserves. That's a, that's a song about coke. That is, and there's nothing more glam metal than mm. a song about coke. But personally, but between just like the funny little vocal lines, I don't know, man. I think I think I think he weaves himself into these the passages that the guitar leaves open really really well, and then you add the layer of Jerry. Contrell's voice on it and then he'll just pop out every now and then I think it's I think it's a good mix and I think on songs like Sunshine I think it works really really well when he finally pops out and does does that you know a show-stopping scream or wail and has the harmony behind him and the guitar behind him and like these are pretty classical guitar lines I mean they're not there's nothing on guitar wise on this record that really made me just go like holy shit like it did on like Soundgarden's more crazy guitar freakouts. But you know there is st- still some simple pleasure I take in just some fucking cheesy noodling. I think that's what this album does pretty well for me. It delivers a lot of some guilty pleasure, '80s glam rock, Death Leopard. Motley Crue guitar thrills through a muddier lens and just and a darker palette and definitely for sure a much more interesting vocalist and songwriter. I think Jerry Cantrell lyrically aside, I think a lot of these songs are a lot sharper than they are on Soundgarden's album. I think the songs here melodically, um, compositionally work very very well especially in the back half half. what's the chorus that's like love sex pain confusion so boring that's confusion and dude I really like confusion (laughs) I really do I really do like confusion it's a ballad it's not a ballad it's almost a ballad it's it's one of the slower songs in the record but again the best moments on this album I think are when Lane Staley River really delivers a rock-solid vocal performance. And I think just the way he delivers the lines on Confusion really sells the song. I think he sells these songs. And I'm not giving enough credit to the rest of the band. The bass and the rhythm section isn't exactly stand out, but I think they... I think they do more than an admirable job, and I think on certain songs they do stand out and just provide a really solid backbone. I think these songs are constructed in a simple way, but in an incredibly effective way. I think everything is put there, and if something was taken out or embellished on too much, I think the whole thing would fall apart for me. I think it's pretty meat and potatoes why I like this record, but I I really enjoy... A lot of the cheese. I know you don't like Bleed the Freak, but I think Bleed the Freak is a fucking great song. I just... I don't... Like, the thing that really turned me off to this one and to a lot of the songs on South Garden is, like, I just don't get anything out of, like, a mid-tempo... There's just so many, like, generic mid-tempo, like, hard rock riffs. On both of these records. And, yeah. like, if I'm going to listen to, like, a metal record, like, I'm not looking for, like, like, I want something, like, mi- like, like that just doesn't grab my attention. 
Like, I want something fast. I want something extreme. I want something slow and bludgeoning. I want something, you know, like, I want something just so basic that it's just, like, in your face. And, like, just, like, just, like, piddling along, like, palm-muted, like, chords with nothing over it. Like, I just don't get anything Here's out of gonna, that. I'm not going to disagree. Because when I want to listen to metal music, I don't listen to Alice in Chains. Alice yeah. in Chains is not where I get my metal fix. That's not where I hear the real brutality and extremity that, like, really, or just the, the blood rush that, like, a really good metal album can give you. Or just, like, the, the, the more shallow. I mean, what I get out of this album in particular is I really don't like bands like Poison. I can stand a few Motley Crue records. I, but, you know, I want. Some 1055, no, no, 101.5 rock thrills. I want some cheesy, basic rock thrills, but I don't want it to be so shallow and so stupid and and so generic riff-wise and so personality-less that I just tune it out. Right. What I get from this record in particular... Like, it's better than Jet. Yes, it's better than Jet. It's better than Jet. Yeah. I think it's I think this I think this album is very good. Yeah. I really like this album. I love the harmonies. I love his voice. I think the guitar is and a lot of the mid-tempo songs I'm not I'm not going to go full-blown and say they're generic because I don't think they were generic at the time that the album was released. But I think now they can be a little bit dull, but I think they 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 amp it up with enough personality and dark flavor. That I, I I think it I think it has loads of personality personally I think I think but a lot of that has to do vocally, which is a big thing for me I think I would still like the album just on a musical basis. For those kind of cheap, rock thrills, but with I I I think the the grit that it adds, gives it a little bit more substance. I think this album is definitely meatier. Not sludgier, but it, it it's it's heavier than a lot of the super duper clean, pristine Def Leppard, etc. Um, so I think that the the dark aspect of it, the harmonies, particularly Lane Staley's excellent vocal contributions to every single song here, gives it enough personality and flavor that I just when I was listening to these two albums in preparation for the podcast. I wanted to listen to this one again and again and again. Every time it ended, and I would I I deliver stuff for my job, and it would start over to do the other song. I'd be like, oh, I'll just I won't put the other one in. I'll 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 listen to this until I get to my destination. And then when I got to my destination, I just let the album play out again on the way back. I I consistently wanted to return to this album because I think the songwriting is sharper. I think. Each of the songs has a little bit more personal, especially the back half. I don't think you're giving the back half of this album enough credit because I think the style that they work within completely it doesn't change, but it gets a lot more interesting. They go they go full like early Red Hot Chili Peppers like fucking mm-hmm. funk rock. Yeah, they go like on, funk rock on. on I know something, something about it. It's like a blackmail song, and it's fucking great. And I don't give a shit. That's a jam. No, I don't like those songs. Oh, it's a fucking jam, dude. Real Thing is a fucking... It's a great Coke song. 
Confusion's great. Put You Down's great. This 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 record gives me Aerosmith vibes a lot. I I know you're just getting bummed out listening to me talk. You just I I, I mean I just got bummed out. Like face. I really like we could have done this probably a week ago, but I just every time I listened to this, I never wanted to listen to it ever again. And then I warmed up to it some. Like I I liked it. I enjoyed listening to this like once or twice near the end of listening to this, but I, I just don't see this, like, ha- having listened to a couple, like, two of their other albums, like, I, I just don't know how this can be seen as anything other than, like, something, like, an, like an early album that you listen to if you're a fan of the band. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think this album has a distinct personality away from their other two albums. I love, I listen to a lot of very depressing music, and I like a lot of the, a lot of times autobiographical, just shitting on yourself, drug abuse, shitholes that they would lyrically go into on albums like Dirt, or their self-titled record, and just the kind of the, the downward spiral that they really effectively, more than a lot of bands of that era, captured on those records. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times I don't want to hear bands I like just shit on themselves for 45 minutes. I kind of want to hear this band do something fun. And I like listening. I get pumped listening to I Know Something About You, to Real Thing, to Sunshine. You're not giving Sunshine enough credit. I think that song's great. I think a lot of the songs on here are great. I think Bleed the Freak's great. We Die Young is a fucking jam. There's just a lot of jams on here. I'm surprised you didn't like Real Thing, if only for the sexual chocolate baby at the end. That was fucking... Dude, sexual chocolate baby is the best part of this record. It's so funny. It's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. It's right at the end, too. It's right at the end. They just didn't need to do it. The tonal shift is whiplash. Yeah, like... Fuck. (laughs) It's great. I have... Songs I don't from this stint of listening to these two records, I have songs from this album consistently stuck in my head. It's definitely catchier than Sound Gardens. And I'm not saying that makes it that. better. I think it is. I had Real Thing, I Know Something About You, Put You Down, Sunshine, Lead the Freak, We Die Young, and Man in the Box all stuck in my head. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's more immediate. That doesn't make it a better album. Which I think is, it's time to bring... There's not much more we can say about these albums without running no. in circles. So I think it's time we bring it to the verdict. Which album do you think is the better record? Uh, Soundgarden's better record. I'm down. I'm going to say what album I like more. Mm-hmm. And it's Facelift by Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to this album 10 times out of 10 on most days if you ask me what record I want to listen to. I really enjoy listening to this record. On it. But I won't say, it's not a guilty pleasure, but I will say it's a cheaper pleasure than Soundgarden. I think Soundgarden is a lot more enriching. There's a lot more to listen to, to that my ears get pulled to on that record in terms of the way they play, the songs that they're playing. I mean, the, there's a lot more complexity on that record in general, but musically, that, that pulls me to it. But I gotta go with my ears. I'm gonna give it to Allison Chains. I really like this record. I really gotta, like this record. We get a we get a we get a tie, ladies and gentlemen. But um, big twist to the podcast: we are not alone.
there's a third host of Sad Moth Smackdown in the room. He's been here from the very beginning. He's been here the whole time. You didn't even know it. Fans of the podcast will recognize. (laughs) Hardcore fans will recognize Nate. Nathan (laughs) Over here on the DS. We bring him in for the really tough decisions. When we can't hash it out as podcasters and really get to the meat of which album is better, we bring in the expert. And he tells us, based on what the fuck we ever just said for this past probably hour and a half, Nate, which album is better? Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger or Alice in Chains' Facelift? Sorry, uh... I really dropped the ball on this one this week. I was kind of spacing out the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to you, the, the sad moth fans out there. Um, I know. Which one has Black Hole Sun on there? Neither, Neither of them. Oh. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knew neither of them had Black Hole Sun. I don't so think he brought did. Up. I know. He, he, he knew. He knew. I think you're giving him too much credit. I don't think he did, no. (laughs) Is there any song I'd recognize on either? No. Oh, jeez. You had to go based off the arguments, Nate. I'm assuming Patrick argued better. So. (laughs) So, Nate, what is your vote? Probably, uh... Alice in Chains or Soundgarden? Um, Alice in Chains. Hey! (laughs) And it happens again. You know, like, I don't really care that Alice in Chains won... I just care that the reasoning was, well, Patrick probably argued better. I'll give it to him. I don't think I did. I don't think I had very many salient points beyond I really like this album. Because <laughs> I do really like that album. Unbelievable. Well, there you have it, folks. Another uh, one in the bag for me. Uh, I'm really another, pers- one a, another one in the sack. Two Bud Lights. I had two Miller Lights. Of course it is. Sponsored by Bud Light and Miller Light, but only Bud Light aluminum cans and only Miller Light throwback. True, very no true. Cans. You know, we're, we're gonna try to do these. Sponsored a little by bit more. Bud Light. Sponsored by Will Ferrell. Sponsored by Seth Rogen. John C. Riley. Yup. George W. Bush. <laughs> Jeb Bush. No. Let's pour one out for Jeb. Let's pour one out for Jeb real quick. Don't actually do it on my floor. Uh, it's empty. All right, we're gonna try to do these a little bit more frequently. So we, if you're, we have been doing them more frequently. Yeah, it's well, a trend. Two more. Three frequently. makes a trend. Yeah. This is the second one. So <laughs> tune in next time. Noah picks the album next time. Maybe yeah. he'll win one. Bye. See ya.